0: on Radio Catskill.
1: Hey, it's Steven Skeet.
0: And I'm Aisha Roscoe.
1: One of the things you can count on from NPR and this station, we've got your back. When it comes to reporting the news, bringing you facts you can count on. You can help by donating a vehicle you no longer need.
0: That car could be worth hundreds of dollars in support or more as a donation. Think about it. We accept any vehicle. Running or not, including cars, trucks, boats, RVs, motorcycles, and more. Donate at wjffradio.org.
1: Support for Radio Catskill comes from Farm Arts Collective, located on Willow West Organic Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. Farm Arts Collective's programs intersect the practices of farming, performance, food, and ecology. FarmartsCollective.org From the Community Foundation of Orange and Sullivan a publicly supported philanthropic institution, cfosny.org, and from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. I've been giving some thought lately to change. You may be the person who has a hard time accepting change. When I meet someone like Heidi Becker, my guest today on Catskill Character, I'm very pleased to be able to present a young person who embodies change just by walking her path through life. Heidi was born and raised in Hawley, Pennsylvania, and after graduating from the University of Delaware with a major in psychology, she worked in public relations jobs in Washington, D.C., New York City, and for a short time in Boston. Now she's back in Hawley with her new shop, House of Heidi, in the Hawley Silk Mill, all while she continues to hold down a full-time job doing public relations remotely for design companies. Heidi is going to give us a bird's-eye view of a big change in the world of work. As with anything, once it's not so foreign, except. Acceptance is right around the corner. Please enjoy my conversation with Heidi Becker. Welcome to Catskill Character, Heidi. Thanks for having me. I love listening to people who grew up in this area. Talk
2: about it. What do you remember about growing up in Holly? Yeah. So I think everyone is going to probably retell a different experience based on, of course, like their family and who their friends were. But honestly, I enjoyed my experience growing up here. A lot of the people that I knew from being in like preschool, I still know to this day. And that tight knit community is really important. And it's great to see Holly too change. So much over time, it started out as a very sleepy town. And of course, it still is a small town, which is why it's so charming. But it was great to grow up and have all of the outdoors experiences and also the support and friendship of the small town around me.
1: That's such a wonderful aspect of Holly. And you know, the school system is so fantastic. I have a friend, her son Mm -hmm. went to Montessori school. She actually picked up and moved over here so that he could go to the Lake Wall and Pack High School.
2: Wow, really? Yeah, I mean, it's nice. The the cafeteria overlooks the lake, so you can't really beat that. Yeah, and they offer a lot academically and they offer
1: a lot sports-wise. They just cover all the bases. When we think of this place, we think of it as being a great place to be in the summer but in the winter there's actually a lot to do too Can you tell us about the Wally Ice Fest, which
2: has just happened uh, recently? Beyond just Wally Ice Fest too, there's a lot of different small ski slopes around. So that's always nice for people to get out of the city and go snowboarding, tubing, skiing and everything. But Wally Ice Fest actually was started by my dad and it's this pond hockey tournament that takes place the first weekend of February every year. And it's also turned into this very big music festival with tons of different vendors. There's all different kinds of food. And it really does draw a pretty big crowd. And it's just fun. There's games. Everyone is very welcoming. Any excuse to get out of the house and have a little bit of fun is nice. It also helps to support all of the different local businesses around Holly. You know, summer is the, the big time for tourists. So it's nice to have that draw of a crowd come in during the winter as well. I can't believe your father started that. Is he a big <laughs> hockey player? Oh, yes. He loves ice hockey. We actually just. Went to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins game last night, just talking about growing up in Holly, too. We grew up with a pond in our front yard, so every winter, whenever the ice is frozen, we'd go out there, go skating, play a little pickup hockey. So it definitely has run through the family, and now we're all passionate about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. So, you mentioned earlier that you're so happy to see some
2: of the changes that have occurred in the last 10 years. What have you noticed? Yeah, I've noticed a lot of new businesses. You'll see that there is a ton of new breweries around. The breweries were not always here. And even like the Turkey Hill, I don't know if you know right by the school, that wasn't there. So really the biggest change is that you'll see a lot of new businesses, which is great for me too. And having my store here and having all of these other businesses around me, but tons of new restaurants that are popping up during the pandemic, when everyone was able to go remote, I think a lot of people, chose to move out of the city and they chose to move somewhere more remote. So it's nice to have that new crowd here as well. So you'll see some of the people changing as well as some of the businesses to accommodate those people.
1: Yeah, that that really happened all over the Catskills, right? People moving yeah. out of the city and it was hard to find houses for a while there because yeah. everything just got gobbled up real quickly.
2: Yeah, I know. I, there was a move if they had a second house around the lake or something, a lot of people decided to just permanently move around the lake. So, yes. it's definitely an interesting change, but it is good for for all of the local like businesses and restaurants, this new crowd that's coming in too.
1: Yeah, I just want to mention for those who don't know this, Lake Wollipaw pack is 5,000 acres. It's huge.
2: Yeah. (laughs) There's islands in the middle of the lake. (laughs) Yes. It's actually funny. One of my jobs when I was younger, maybe like 18 or 19 was driving boats for Cove Haven, which is this couple's resort on the lake. So I would drive the boats and take the couples out on tours and I would give them all of the fun facts about the lake. Like it's 52 and a half miles of shoreline around. Don't quote me on that. I'm not actually sure the exact number, but... It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah, but all of the fun facts about the lakes, that was always a fun job to have with my lake knowledge growing up in Holly.
1: This place is much cooler than I even realized, and I only live a mile from the lake. So, you know, we haven't had a chance really to take advantage of it like we want to, but I think this year we're going to get down into the water, actually.
2: (laughs) yeah uh, I mean there's like tons of ways to you could like kayak paddle board you could like rent a boat, go tubing, all of the different activities. So it's fun to really make use of that in the summertime.
1: Now, before you move back here, you held several jobs in
2: PR. What
1: kinds of things did you do?
2: So I started out in PR specializing in luxury residential real estate. Uh, and then I shifted that was based in New York. I shifted to more corporate PR in D.C. And then I just found that I wanted to turn back to my passion more for design and interiors, which I learned through out my time in the luxury residential role. And then I found a remote role that specialized in interior design PR. So I'm kind of like, oh, I was all over the map, but now I'm specialized in that and that's fully remote.
1: I think it's very different doing PR now What's the biggest change in that industry?
2: Yeah, well, I started out doing it. It was all in person. And now it's great that I'm able to do it remotely. I'll say that, of course, social media and the digital age have changed a lot of things too. Just been thinking about NPR, if you're trying to get a placement in print, A lot of things that are in print have changed. And then also social media and the overlap between traditional PR and also leveraging social media as a tool to market your business.
1: You know, I think a lot of people that are listening to this, myself included, aren't going to understand what you're talking about, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because it's just so foreign to me, you know, Uh, and I know that my niece, for example, had two full-time jobs at the same time. Wow. because she worked remotely from home. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is mind-blowing. It's, it's such a an ridiculous concept to me, but yeah. she did it for like I think over a year and she yeah. uh, she said why I said to her why are you doing this and she said because I like to travel. So she stashed all of the money from one job <laughs> away. And, you know, and she used the other job as her, you know, using it for her life. It's just so different. It's just like it exploded.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, at first it was, it was something that we had to do during COVID and then it just kind of shifted into something that worked out permanently, finding out that a lot of the things that we were doing, we can do from behind a computer screen. And then of course, there are those that have just always been remote. Like (laughs) my dad has worked remote for as long as I can remember. So it's funny that now it's so popular. But there was a time when when that was weird, almost.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's never a bad idea to enjoy a global view of the world. And you've traveled extensively. I was wondering if you might share some of your favorite places that may have influenced your sense of fashion or just influenced you?
2: Yeah, um, well, there's definitely a few. I feel like Europe is one of the best places for fashion inspiration, of course, going to Paris and seeing all of the stores there, um, drawing inspiration from even like how they're set up or how they display the clothes is something of note to me, but I'd say that that might be the most inspirational city for fashion that I had been to. But I also really did like Amsterdam. It's very practical kind of style. Everyone's in sneakers, but they also look so chic and put together. Whereas when you compare Europe to America, I feel like it's much more acceptable here to just go run to the store in your sweatpants or like your borderline pajamas, but it's definitely not like that (laughs) there at all. So it's good to draw that inspiration and just kind of like see all of these different cities and draw a little bit of um, inspiration from each of them too.
1: Yeah. Well, just between you and me, Heidi, I think we could do less with the sweatpants and, <laughs> and more with, you know, putting a little outfit together when you go to church, you know, when people stopped wearing hats to church and they started wearing sweatpants, I thought, uh Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> What's happening? (laughs) You know, I think that there is something to look good, feel good, or just like when you feel like you put something together, like a good outfit together, you feel really confident in what you're wearing, then you feel like you can maybe take on more with your day. Like if I start my day and I'm in my sweatpants and I'm just going to run one errand, but then I run into someone and then maybe maybe we want to go get lunch. I feel more limited. Like, oh, let me actually go home and change. But when you put something on and you feel good about it, you're like, I could do anything today. Let's just see where the day takes me. So there is something to that too.
1: Exactly. And that's when we get into thrifting because the other aspect of that is you don't have to spend a fortune to look fabulous. And I would love for you to tell the listener about how you started thrifting.
2: Yeah. So I started thrifting when I was in high school. I would go with my friends. We'd go to Salvation Army or Goodwill. And it would almost be some sort of activity that we would do, do together on a Saturday. We'd go get an nice coffee and go thrifting. Sometimes it started out with just picking out ridiculous things for each other. And it would be something funny that we would do and very entertaining. But then I found that there were just such good pieces at the thrift store that you wouldn't find at a lot of the stores in the mall. Like if you go up to Scranton, Forever 21, it's just not the same quality and it's not as unique. So I was finding things that I really did like, and I just enjoyed going and doing this. It's an activity that I like to do. And it's also something that my friends and I did together in high school. So that's really how it all started. And then I just started collecting and collecting more and more over time and curating my own wardrobe. And then I just found that I had this vision for style and it's something that I wanted to do just beyond myself, something that maybe I could provide for other people as well.
1: That's fantastic. And look where you are. You're sitting in your own store.
2: <laughs> with all yeah. Of those,
1: yeah, with those fabulous dresses and jewelry around you. It's it's fantastic.
2: It's really exciting how everything has just brought me here to this day. and And just from kind of like having fun with my friends you never know where that could take you and you never know what different activity you might do that might spark a passion that you didn't even know that you had
1: you're very wise for your years <laughs> oh my god <gosh>.
2: thank you <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're, gonna take a, we're gonna take a quick break here and come right back you've been listening to my conversation on Catskill character with my guest today Heidi Becker we'll be right back President Biden soon speaks to his largest national audience of the year. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. In an address to Congress, he will lay out his agenda against a backdrop of foreign conflicts and domestic uncertainty and the election season. I'm Steve Inskeep. Join me for live special coverage of the State of the Union address from NPR News.
2: Thursday night at nine here on Radio Catskill, local news, culture and NPR.
0: Sullivan County has two warming centers that are open to all every night this winter. The Liberty Shelter is located at the United Methodist Church on North Main Street, and the Monticello Shelter is located at St. John's Episcopal Church on St. John Street. These shelters are open for anyone from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. every night through Saturday, April 15th. More information at SullivanNY.us. And keep listening for winter weather updates on Radio Catskill.
1: Welcome back to Catskill Character. I've been speaking with Heidi Becker, owner of House of Heidi and the Hawley Silk Mill. In the first half of the show, Heidi told us about her background growing up in Hawley and some of the changes that have taken place here in the last 10 years. She also spoke a bit about doing PR work from home, and we had just begun to speak about thrifting before the break, so we're going to continue that, talking about Heidi's new store, House of Heidi, located in the Holly Silk Mill, styling, influencers, the advantages of buying vintage clothes, and what inspires Heidi. Here we go. For those of you who don't know, the silk mill was originally named the Belmont Silk Mill. It's been here in Hawley since 1880. And it was an actual silk mill when they employed something like 500 women. The building where the Cocoon Coffee House is was where they raised the silkworms, so I've been told. Then there was the fire in 1894. They rebuilt liquidated, and the building that looks like a castle has been purchased by many various businesses over the years. It was once a huge factory of antique shops.
2: Lots of changes. Heidi, what brought you to the Silk Mill? So the Silk Mill is almost something hard to miss when you're driving through Holly. It definitely draws the eye, and it's something that my mom and I, we'd explore all the stores when I was in high school and in college when I'd come home for the summers or the breaks. So we'd go through, look at what every different store had to offer. Everything is so unique. So that's really where I started going to the Silk Mill. And then I just saw that there was a space open over the past summer. The Silk Mill's always been a building that I've known so it was really great to to see that I could possibly have my store in the Silk Mill.
1: That must have been so exciting when you saw that empty space pop up.
2: Yes. I mean, just because I have good memories of the Silk Mill, it's right next to Cocoon, the coffee house. Beneath me is Hopping Eagle, the brewery. There's a gym. So I'm kind of like... Fully set up here. (laughs) All my needs are being met. I just think it's such a great location because there are all of the other businesses around you and everyone's very friendly. There's the Silk Mill community. There's the waterfalls behind us. So it's such an ideal location and especially great for your first business too.
1: Absolutely. I love the Looking Glass Gallery, Juan Espino's Gallery. You know, yes. he, he is an art naive artist, and he does incredible work, and he's quite the historian. Heidi, I wanted you to explain what the difference is between vintage, secondhand, and upcycled.
2: Yeah. So vintage would be pieces that hold historical significance. So it's anything from 20 to 100 years ago. So it has to meet that certain criteria. Whereas secondhand, some vintage can be secondhand. Most vintage is secondhand. Of course, it's used. But Secondhand might be something in my store that is a newer brand. Maybe it was made in 2022, but I try to pick pieces that are very curated for the store. Maybe they're in style, they're quality items. So secondhand are previously worn, they're used clothing. And then upcycled is taking that piece of used clothing and adding something to it. Maybe you embroidered something or you alter it a little bit. You paint it. So it's taking what is used and upcycling and making it I into something new. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you must have quite a collection. What What was the biggest
2: thrifting score you ever made? Yes, I love this question. I have to say this cherry red Christian Dior jacket, this full length wool jacket with gold buttons, double breasted. It's so beautiful. I actually sold it to one of my friends. So I know that it's in really good hands, but it was very hard to part with because I got it at a flea market and it was just one of those chance things. And when you do find something like that, it really does give you a big thrill. So oh, that yeah. has to be my best one.
1: I can imagine this you just stop dead in your tracks.
2: Yes, exactly. Like, is this real? But it is. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi,
1: you told me that there are some real pros to shopping for vintage clothes and furniture as well. So could you tell the listener what those pros are?
2: Yeah. I mean, if you want to stand out and get something that's truly unique, then secondhand and vintage is definitely the way to go. Um, It's also an experience going vintage and secondhand shopping. It's something that you can actually do with your free time. If you want to go do something on Saturday, you can go and do that. And when you buy a piece like that and then you have it in your closet, not only is it just a shirt, but there's also that experience and that memory attached to it, which I think is really special. Another pro is that it's a more sustainable way to shop rather than buying a haul of fast fashion that is made non-sustainably. This is a much better way to shop. It's better for the environment. A lot of the clothes from some of those fast fashion brands just end up in landfills, so it's really good to repurpose clothing and give them a new home.
1: Well, that makes a lot of sense, especially in this day and age. Yeah. (laughs) You you do a lot of styling at House of Heidi. That is probably where your undergraduate degree in psychology comes in, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're styling someone, it's really good to pick up on different aspects about them and their personality and and talking with them will then give you a sense of their style, because, of course, your personality manifests through your physical style and how you wear your clothes and the clothes that you choose to wear. So it's interesting to learn about people and then find pieces that suit them physically, but also their personality, too.
1: You know, I'm just going to hop back to something you said earlier about um, wearing something nice when you go out as opposed to just throwing on a sweatsuit because it makes you feel good about yourself, you feel more put together, and then your day maybe will move a little bit differently. I I liken that to making your bed in the morning. When you make your bed, it's kind of like putting on something nice the way you were describing it. You you feel better about yourself. You look at your room and it looks neater. And I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there for all those mothers who are struggling with their kids to get them to make their (laughs) beds.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is a lot like that. It's like a morning ritual, morning routine, a really solid foundation for the day. And I'll also say that I think that there's something creative in the process. It's kind of like a good creative exercise for my brain, at least. I like to challenge myself a little bit if I have sort of more of a plain outfit than I want to add a funky accessory. Like today I'm wearing just a gray sweater and blue jeans, but I have this cobalt blue fuzzy bucket hat that I'm wearing with um, electric blue eye makeup too. So using it as a creative exercise is a fun way to work your brain too in the morning.
1: Absolutely. Now you do something in the store you call style bundling. Can you tell us about
2: that? People will ask for a style bundle, which is basically either six, eight or 10 items based on their style goals, their inspiration. So it can really be a mix of anything like a shirt, dresses, jackets, But they'll send me inspiration, their style icon, all of their sizes and everything. And they trust me as the stylist to put together a bundle that they all kind of go together cohesively for them to then add to their wardrobe. Or maybe it's the base of their wardrobe, or maybe they're trying to have a new spring wardrobe or something. So really, it's just a package of different clothing items based on what their style goals are and what their inspiration is.
1: I love that. And the the aspect of it that's so important is that you are really building trust with your clients. I mean, they have to really trust you to do that.
2: Yeah, I think that it's really important because building that trust will then lay the base of them being able to know that what I'm telling them is, is just, it's, it's helpful for them. Like,
1: yeah. it's going to (laughs) work.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If they trust me with, with their style, then building trust is such an important point in the process. So if I say maybe this belt with that dress, they feel comfortable doing that and they feel comfortable with me. So in addition to trust, I think feeling comfortable And like we have this like really good relationship with each other is a very important part of the process.
1: Yes, that's true. You know, I hear the term influencers thrown around a lot. Can you tell the listener what that means?
2: Yes. Influencers are really a big thing on social media. So it's anyone who has a pretty large following across different platforms. There's different kinds of influencers, of course, like on Instagram or on TikTok is a big one. But in my industry, in in fashion and style, that's a very big place and space for influencers sharing their outfits, what they're wearing, and brands will often send them things. So then these influencers can promote them to their audience because it's such a big audience that they have.
1: And you have an interesting story about your experience with an influencer. Would you tell the listener what that was?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, So I was in New York. I was just walking down the street and I walked past this girl and I had recognized her from somewhere and it didn't really come to me until a little bit later in the day. And I realized that she was this influencer on social media. So I messaged her like, Oh, I, I saw you on the street. And she responded to me and we had a little conversation. And then I thought, you know, it would be so great if I could gift her a style bundle to then have her wear and have her open in front of her viewers on social media and try on all the outfits and showcase all of the different items that I picked out. So then House of Heidi reaches her audience of 250,000 plus. So Mm -hmm. it was just a chance moment that turned into something even bigger and a way that I can leverage influencers for my store.
1: Heidi, you're always thinking.
2: (laughs) I'm trying to. (laughs) Well,
1: well, before we go, I want to mention that you also sell online. So... Let's get your website and any context you'd like to share.
2: Yes, of course. I sell online, so I have the style bundles available. I'm always updating online with new products. I just dropped a couple new spring ones, too, that are fun and colorful. You can visit the website at www.houseofheidi.co, and that's H-A-U-S, House.
1: I love your store. It's not intimidating or overwhelming it's just a very comfortable space and i wish you much good fortune with it and i'm so glad you joined me today
2: thank you yeah i'm so happy to be here and i love that you say that it's comfortable yeah i have the couch in here and i want it to feel almost like you're in your big sister's closet just picking out your outfit so i'm so happy to hear that and thank you so much for having me on
1: You've been listening to Catskill Character with today's guest, Heidi Becker, proprietor of House of Heidi in the Hawley Silk Mill in Hawley, Pennsylvania. Catskill Character is on every Saturday at 1030, except for the last Saturday of the month when Greg Triggs brings us Travels with Triggs. Be sure to tune in then for more stories from fascinating characters of the Catskills and beyond. I'm Donna Fellenberg. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Radio Catskill supporters include SUNY Sullivan, a community college in the Sullivan Catskills focused on preparing students for the future. More information at SUNYSullivan.edu. Livingston Manor, dining, shopping, and the arts at the Gateway to the Catskill Park. LivingstonManorNY.com, And listeners like you, who donate at WJFFradio.org. Catholic Charities Prevention Services has resources and supplies for youth, parents, and other community members that can help keep children and families safe. Medication trackers, lock bags, lock caps, medication destruction packets, and more. Learn how to be educated, involved, and active participants in the fight against drug and alcohol use. More information at cccsos.org or 845-794-8080. Paid for by Catholic Charities of Orange, Sullivan, and Ulster. There's music for Voodoo Girls and Jungle Girls on this week's Retro Cocktail Hour. I'm Daryl Brogdon. Hope you'll join me at the Underground Martini Bunker for Les Baxter's classic album of Jungle Exotica, Ritual of the Savage. And there's music for Communist Party Animals. I'll see you where the music is shaken, not stirred. The Retro Cocktail Hour. Wednesday night at 7 here on Radio Catskill.
1: This week, the Alabama Supreme
0: Court ruled that embryos are people, too. The ruling is rife with religious language from Alabama's Constitution, noting that, quote, even before birth, all human beings bear the image of God and their lives cannot be destroyed without effacing his glory. On this week's On the Media, the once obscure theology embraced by that Alabama chief justice and how it's shaping American politics. Saturday afternoon at four on Radio Catskill. WJFF, Jeffersonville, W233AH,